Tech Fighter Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 523 for the 18th of December, 2016. This week, Landscape Pro isn't something you want for your garden. Instead, it's a new application that'll improve your photos and not only landscape photos. If you'd like to look like a video or HTML5 genius, Adobe's free online Spark application will do the trick. And if you're a Creative Cloud member, you'll get some extra benefits. In short circuits, tis the season for fraud with a capital F. You'll find that brazen attempts to separate your money from you can creep into even generally safe areas like Amazon. Broadfighter Malwarebytes has combined all of its products into a single application that does everything its separate applications did before, and it threatens to displace standard antivirus applications. Yahoo has admitted yet another breach of its security system. This time it's one billion records. Oh, and it happened three years ago? In spare parts, only on the website, replacing passwords with eyeballs, a small tablet that might be willing to take a bullet for you, and a look at how widespread malware is on popular websites. Landscape Pro doesn't compete with Adobe Lightroom or Photoshop. It doesn't compete with any of the Alien Skin products. In fact, there's no existing product I can think of that Landscape Pro does compete with. The new application from Anthropics Technology Limited, a British company, has no competition. Because that's the case, explaining what the application does and why you'd want it might be a little challenging. But then again, I like challenges, so here we go. Anthropics seems to be a well-established company with various applications for portrait photographers. Some of these would compete with Adobe or Alien Skin products. Createc was launched by the National Film and Television School in 1997 to invent the future of digital media, and the Createc developers eventually moved to Anthropics in 2000. Landscape Pro was released this year. The company has a roadmap that suggests several interesting, unusual, and usable applications are in the pipeline. Although this application can be used to modify images that contain people, its primary purpose seems to be making adjustments to landscape images. I started with an image from outside our yurt at the wilds. It was an image that I took in the morning. The studio version of Landscape Pro for $60 can read many raw file formats, as well as JPEG and digital negative files. The standard version, $40, omits the ability to read those raw and digital negative files. Additionally, the studio version reads and writes TIFFs with 16 bits per color sample, supports conversion between different color spaces, supports setting monitor and working color spaces, and has embedded color profile support for JPEG and TIFF files. 
And besides working as a standalone application, it can be a Photoshop, Photoshop Elements, or Lightroom plugin. So you start by placing tags on various parts of the image. In the image you'll see on the TechMatter Worldwide website, I have tagged the sky, some trees, the grass, and rocky areas. You'll notice that the application hasn't expanded the selections accurately in all cases, but it's got a really good start. The next step involved expanding the selected areas and setting a horizon line. It's possible to replace the sky or to modify the lighting of the existing sky. So I tried replacing the sky. After looking at it for a little while, I decided I really didn't like it. It doesn't look like an Ohio sky somehow. Changes start with the presets, and once you've chosen one of those, you'll find sliders, lots of them, that control various aspects of each tagged area of the image. I selected a different sky and moved on to modifying the grass. The resulting image is not accurate in terms of what I saw on the day I was there, late summer 2016, but it does represent an acceptable interpretation of the scene. After all, that's what art is all about, interpretation. It's possible to specify the angle and intensity of the sunlight in the image, too. This is an interesting program, and I'm looking forward to spending a little more time with it as it matures. Currently, I'll give it four cats. Landscape Pro offers a new way to modify images. The unusual approach taken by Anthropics makes it possible to modify specific sections of an image based on the type of object that you want to change. The automatic selection process does a good job of guessing which areas of the image belong together, and fine-tuning the selected areas is quick and easy. Controls are clearly marked so that specifying how you want to apply changes is straightforward. The version 1 release has a lot of promise. Additional details are available on the Landscape Pro website. You'll find a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website. I could start by saying that Adobe's free web-based Spark application will make you look like an HTML5 genius, and it will. But there's more if you want to go beyond HTML and create a small video. Spark helps there, too. The Department of Natural Resources area of the Ohio Exposition Center is the location for a Chinese lantern festival. My wife and I stopped by there last week and I took some pictures. Then I used Adobe Spark to create a page that I've linked from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Take a look at it, and if you know how to view the page source code, take a look at that too. No Flash is involved. It's all HTML5 with a bit of JavaScript thrown in. Well, as impressive as that is, the creation process is even more impressive. Visit the Adobe Spark website, which is spark.adobe.com, and create a free account. If you're a Creative Cloud member, just use your normal credentials and log in. You'll find options to create a post. That's good for things like memes, invitations, quotations, things like that. Or creating a page. That's what the Chinese Lantern Festival link was. 
or a video. More about that in just a moment. The interface is extremely easy to use, and it's actually been updated toward the end of the week. The updates came a little too late for me to include information about them this week, but I'll talk about those in some future program next year. All you have to do is upload pictures, type words, specify a style or layout, preview, and then share. That's all there is to it. If you're creating a video, you'll be able to add narration and music, if you want to, in addition to setting the overall style and selecting different types of scenes, with or without words, one image or two, side-by-side -side images, or one image overlaying another. My little one-minute video of the Chinese Lantern Festival is on the TechBiter Worldwide website. That little one-minute video took less than half an hour to put together. It's not Adobe's fault or Adobe's problem, but the browser I was using, Chrome, kept crashing during the development process. The error message suggested that I needed to activate WebGL in Chrome. I did that, but it still crashed every time I tried to preview the presentation. Now, you might think that that caused a lot of lost work, perhaps some stomping or maybe even a little swearing. And you might think the result of that would be frightened cats. Well, nothing of the sort. The cats slept right through it. There was no stomping, no swearing. Adobe Spark has no save button. The instant you do something, it's saved. So when the browser crashed, all I had to do was relaunch the page and continue from where I was. Well, eventually I gave up on previewing in Chrome. All of the other browsers I tried rendered the previews properly, and the finished video, well, it plays properly in every browser that I tested. circuits, watch out for Amazon fake merchants. And while looking for something else on Amazon.com, I noticed a price of $500, including shipping and taxes, for an item that should cost at least $800. The merchant noted that it was essential to contact them by email before buying. That was actually the second warning sign. The first warning sign was the price. The second warning sign was obvious because Amazon doesn't work that way. How this business managed to list several hundred items on Amazon is a mystery. Everything listed was a high-ticket item being sold for 40 to 50% off the expected best price. So just to see what would happen, I sent an email to the merchant and received a quick reply. It said, we will do this transaction through Amazon Protection Program. In this way, we are both sure that we get what we want. We will register on Amazon as a purchaser of the product, and Amazon will give you a payment invoice. You will pay the money on Amazon account. They will keep the money until you receive the product and test it. Then, only with your knowledge, Amazon will release payment to us if the item is as you've expected and you decide to keep it. 
The message requested that I reply with my name, delivery address, and phone number. Then it said, we will reserve this item, and you will receive shortly the order confirmation from Amazon. We wait your prompt reply. Well, they didn't get it. I tried looking at the seller profile. Danger signs all over the place. Amazon goes to great lengths to keep sellers from obtaining buyers' email addresses and keep buyers from directly contacting sellers. What's surprising is that Amazon doesn't have some automated procedure that looks for email addresses when someone tries to include one on a merchant page and then either rejects them outright or flags them for review. Writing a regular expression to perform that task wouldn't be hard. In fact, I could probably do it. After all, the email address on the page was there three times. Although Amazon doesn't allow merchants to sell off-site, not everybody knows that. And I'm sure that the responses from this merchant, should I have provided my information to them and told them I really wanted to buy the product, would claim to be from Amazon and would display Amazon graphics. I wonder how many people fell for that before Amazon shut it down. It was gone less than 12 hours after I reported it. Malwarebytes anti-malware, and more recently anti-exploit and anti-ransomware, have been used side-by-side with many antivirus applications from other companies. Now, Malwarebytes has rolled all of its applications into a single product that threatens to displace those standard antivirus applications. Although the Malwarebytes program continues to play well with standard antivirus applications, Marcin Klasinski, writing on the company's blog, said the layered defense provided by Malwarebytes 3.0 provides technologies that combat modern threats and zero-day malware. The combination of our anti-malware, anti-exploit, anti-ransomware, website protection, and remediation technologies, he said, have you better covered against modern threats than the traditional antivirus companies that charge more for less effective protection? Well, I've been running Malwarebytes 3.0 for a while, and I like the updated interface and the faster operation that's evident in this new version. Klasinski says developers spent a year building the new version, calling it Malwarebytes Anti-Malware, Anti-Exploit, Anti-Ransomware, Website Protection and Remediation Technologies, would probably be a bit much. So the product is now just called Malwarebytes. Installation is surprisingly easy. I had both anti-malware and anti-exploit installed. The installer recognized that and automatically removed the no longer needed anti-exploit in addition to removing the older version of anti-malware. I didn't even have to reboot the computer, but I did. It's a good idea to do that after you make any significant update to a computer. Malwarebytes 3.0 sells for $40. That's less than the combined prices of the other products. But the company says that existing customers will continue to pay the price they signed up for. So if you have a $25 subscription to anti-malware, you'll continue to pay $25 a year for the new version and get all of the extra pieces. 
The new version runs on all versions of Windows, starting with XP, but the anti-ransomware technology is enabled only on Windows 7 and higher. Poor old Yahoo. Liabilities just keep piling up at Yahoo, which this week announced that it had lost control of one billion usernames, phone numbers, birth dates, and other information, stuff that's useful to criminals. And when did this happen, you might wonder? Three years ago, 2013. Now, that's in addition to the half-billion sets of credentials that were stolen in another attack. So within a single year, Yahoo has set two records that nobody ever wants to set. Yahoo says that credit card and bank account information are not stored with the user data, but thieves did make off with unencrypted security questions that Yahoo uses to authenticate users. If you changed your Yahoo password earlier this year following the first announcement, you're okay. That's because the breach announced this week is, after all, three years old. On the other hand, if you have a Yahoo account and you haven't changed the password since 2013, now would be a really good time to do that. In July, Yahoo and Verizon announced that Yahoo would sell its core business units to Verizon. That would include Yahoo Mail. But litigation is likely now, and Verizon's lawyers and accountants are probably taking another look at the deal. Yahoo issued a statement that said, and I quote, We are confident in Yahoo's value, and we continue to work towards integration with Verizon. The company said it's also notifying subscribers, and that all users should review their online accounts for suspicious activity, and change their passwords and security questions for any accounts that use the same or similar information used for their Yahoo account. Well, you can be confident in spare parts value. It's only on the website. This week, replacing passwords with eyeballs, a small tablet that might be willing to take a bullet for you, and a look at just how widespread malware is on popular websites. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.